Hi there, and welcome to the Pearls from My Mom podcast. Every mom has special pearls of wisdom she passes on to her kids. In this podcast, we'll be talking about those pearls of wisdom, as well as the life lessons that our moms have passed down to us. We will be sharing to keep the legacy alive. Message 2, Thursday, 11, 29 a.m. Hey, bonjour, hello. We were just calling, we got those beautiful pictures of those two kids. And your nice little, it's four o'clock your time. We're still up and kicking, so that's good. I had a big test today for two hours, but we got through that, and uh, now we wait till Monday night. Well, Monday at four, which would be night your time. So that's it. We're sitting out in the sun. I I was in my underpants and my camisole. It's so beautiful. The sun is shining. And in the next day or two, somebody said we're supposed to get 6 to 18 inches. Could be worse. We could live in Buffalo. <laughs> those, those kids are so adorable. And so are you. So give us a call when you have a chance. Maybe I'll talk to you in the morning. I'm kind of rough at night. Sorry about that. <laughs> but I'll let you know. Call anyways. I'll let you know. <laughs> Love you. Hey, that sweet, sweet voice you just heard was my mom, Margie Kahat. My name's Jesse, host of Pearls for My Mom, and today I'm going to be telling you my story and talking about my mom, Margie Cott. And in the future, I have episodes where I've interviewed people about the pearls of wisdom from their mom, but I thought for my first show, I would go ahead and do a show about my mom so you knew where I was coming from and exactly why I started this. So that little clip that I had played there was something I had recorded off my answering machine in November 2014. And my mom was, uh, she had found out that she was sick and that it was most likely cancer, but she didn't know how bad it was. So that's why she mentioned a test on there. But the reason that I recorded and kept that answering machine message is just because it it just kind of embodied her personality in the beginning when she said, bonjour, hello. She did that because um, my answering machine is was in French at the time because my husband and my kids speak French. So she always, you know, made an effort to try to, you know, bonjour. And she was just so she was so bubbly and funny and I wanted to play that clip for everybody in case there's anybody listening that did know my mom and they haven't heard her voice in a long time. I'm lucky enough to have saved a few little tidbits like that with her voice in it. So um, I also liked the part and I don't know if she would be embarrassed about me putting this on there but I put it on there anyway because my mom I feel like was a pretty open book. So she, she had that part where she said she had been sitting out on the porch. We lived in the mountains of Colorado and from our front porch you couldn't see any other houses except for ones that were like many miles away in the distance all you could see was this beautiful mountainscape and fields so I like the part where she said she had been sitting on the porch in her underwear and camisole just sunning away and then in the next few days you know somebody said they were supposed to get whatever I think she said six to twelve inches or something like that which meant of snow and um, that's kind of how Colorado is if you've ever been there with 60 degrees one day and snow in the next and then back to 60 degrees the next day. So I really liked that little clip from my mom and I'm really happy that I saved it because I listen to it sometimes just to hear her voice. And of course, she tells me how beautiful my kids are and she even says it about me. So that's nice. And then at the end, she says, I love you. So that's a little bit of that. And I want to tell you a bit more about my mom. She it's funny right now I'm recording this and I'm surrounded by things um, and I'll describe what I'm surrounded by later. But I've got newspaper articles and playbills and letters and 
pictures and all kinds of stuff to kind of help me tell this story of my mom. So my mom, her name was Margie. Uh, her maiden name is Brooker, but she went by Margie Cott for the you know last whatever, 30 some years of her life. So um, she was born August 18th, which and now maybe you can tell why this episode is dropping on August 18th. Uh, she was born on August 18th, 1949 in Natrona Heights, Pennsylvania, which is just right outside of Pittsburgh. She was a smart girl and well liked by everybody who knew her. When she went into high school, she went on to be part of the color guard, you know, the people that twirl the batons and the rifles and things like that. And she was also a swimmer and diver for pretty much her whole life growing up. In fact, she in 1968, she got to go to the Olympic trials. Now, she was really humble when she <laughs> talked about this. So um, she said, you know, if they'd taken whatever, if they'd taken seven divers, then she came in like... 10th or something like that but she was you know pretty close like to she could have gone to the 1968 olympics for diving so i thought that was pretty cool she went to college at slippery rock state university which at the time was slippery rock state college it was a teacher's college she got her degree bachelor's degree in education and other fun fact my mom also went to woodstock which i think is really really cool um you know like the real woodstock the one that happened you know, not the, not the 90s Woodstock, the real deal one. And she always was really funny when she talked about Woodstock because she said she was one of the nerds that had bought a ticket. You know, like how the story, like they sold tickets to go to Woodstock and then people just tore the fences down and came anyway. Well, she was, she said she was one of the nerds that bought a ticket to Woodstock, but she went and there is actually a picture of her in the 25 years of Rolling Stone magazine, the commemorative commemorative book that came out. And there's a huge fold out there. And it's a bunch of naked hippies in a lake at Woodstock. And my mom is in that picture. And yes, she's naked, but you can't tell because she's turned around and all you can see is her face. But it's very clearly her. And that is something that I should probably go ahead and put on the website for the podcast so you can see that but um she was a she was a fun living hippie lady i'm actually holding a picture of her right here from 1969 and she has this button down it's a black and white picture of course she has this button down shirt it's got paisley and their buttons are really interesting it's a really cool shirt there's it's paisley patterned and she's got her hair down it looks like it had been ironed but there's a curl a flip at the end and she's got her bangs down and she's got a bandana with like a silky bandana around her hair. It's really, really cool. It's like what you would if you wanted to do a Halloween costume for like a cool 60s, um, you know, hippie ish lady. I think that's what you would do. So I'll definitely post that on the, the website as well. Now, after university, she wanted to become a teacher, and she was following up on a lead for a job. I believe it was in Arizona, either that or um, there was one, there was something she wanted to do in San Francisco as well. But she had met my dad, who was working for a radio station. I think they were both working for a radio station. And some of these details are fuzzy. She actually wrote down the history of everything and put it in a book, but I only got to read it once right after she had passed away and now my sister has it so sister if you're listening to it you should share the love and pass on that book so I can read some but uh anyway her and my dad had bought a bread truck and they were going to for like 500 bucks in 19 you know 70 or whatever and they were going to travel across the United States and then kind of part ways but they got broken down a couple times and they ended up spending quite a bit of time together 
And then they ended up deciding to stay and live in Colorado and, you know, get married and have children. And that's why I'm here. So that's pretty much the history of that. There's a lot more to it. It's actually a pretty cool story. And someday I'm sure I'll tell it. But uh, we got a lot of stuff to cover today. So my parents ended up settling in Colorado, where my mom started working with children with disabilities, uh, developmental disabilities. She was actually a teacher for the deaf and the blind and uh, for a state home and training school in Wheat Ridge, Colorado. This was in the 70s, and this was at a time when children with disabilities were not, they were institutionalized a lot of the time, and parents didn't really know how to deal with them, and schools didn't really know how to deal with them, and so a lot of times they were just put into these homes. And so my mom made it her mission to make the lives of these children better and to help not only the children have better lives, but to help the parents understand what they could do to help their children. So I'm actually holding this book that my mom had written, and it's called You and Your Child at Home, Enjoy Those Happy Hours, A Guide for the Families of Deafblind Institutionalized Children. And this guide, it's it's typed. I can tell that it's typed. And it's got, it says, to all those who have shared their love with me and helped me understand. And that was written in my mom's handwriting, which was beautiful handwriting, by the way. But she also has this, she has dedications in the front. She wrote this book on how to take your children home and deal with them. And at the end, she says, I've devoted a great deal of time towards compiling parents' questions. I have put together a pamphlet devoted solely to the purpose of answering these questions and giving you suggestions on what kinds of things you can do with your child at home. I hope that you will find it helpful and that your little boy or girl's trips home will be meaningful and fun for the whole family. So it's just really cool. It talks about what they can do to help their their children at home. And um, just to know that my mom had a part in helping so many people, I think, is a really incredible thing. And I haven't warned you yet, but I am a crier. <laughs> and I don't and I don't want you to be sad every time, like if I tear up and you'll notice if you if you happen to listen to the show after this episode, um, when I do interviews with people, I don't get choked up that often. But, you know, uh, sometimes sometimes people do and sometimes I do. But don't worry, I'm not, you know, sitting over here really super sad or anything like that. I just, that's just my personality. So don't worry. My mom actually also wrote this really beautiful poem, which I I won't be able to read because I, I, I just can't. But I will post it on the website for the podcast so that you can read it. Uh, but it's about children with developmental disabilities and about how she doesn't see them as the challenges that, you know, society at the time saw them as she saw them in a different light. So I will definitely post that. Uh, Some other cool stuff about my mom is that in the 80s, in the late 70s and early 80s, my mom was a stay, I'm sorry, my mom was a working mom and my dad was a stay-at-home dad, which was incredibly weird for that time. It was so weird, in fact, that right in front of me, I'm holding a really old newspaper. It is the volume 29, number 29 of the Canyon Courier, Published date was when publication date was Wednesday, July twenty second, nineteen eighty one. This is in Evergreen, Colorado, and on the front page here, this is an old yellow yellowing copy of this paper. On the front page, in the top, it says "Rolls Switch Dad's Home," 
And then you go to C, page eight, and there's a picture of my dad brushing my sister's hair and then me as a baby kind of mugging it up for the camera. And this article's pretty cool, but it's also pretty dated. I mean, it's funny to think that these were my parents and that this was such an odd thing for society to grasp. And now it's just a normal thing. But it says the headline for the article says they would rather switch than fight. <laughs> and it starts off, it says he tries to have dinner ready, the kids calm and clean and the house in a presentable condition. She comes home from work tired, but still mommy. They are Michael and Margie Cahot of Brook Forest, and they have switched traditional male-female roles insofar as those roles deal with making money and keeping the house. She goes to work full-time at the Ridge Home and Training School, Wheat Ridge, and he stays home with the two preschool children. It, it goes on, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I will post it. And the funniest thing is the next line. It says, and perhaps most surprising, the switch has not been all that traumatic, they said. <laughs> like, like, oh, no, a mom not being at home and a dad being at home. That's crazy. But I guess in the 80s, you know, it was 1981. So people did think that was crazy. And then the caption of the picture where my dad's combing my sister's hair, it says, never a moment to watch TV soaps. So anyway, I will definitely post this article from the 19... 19- July 22nd, 1981, Canyon Courier, where it looks like on the next page you could get a pretty nice mattress for like 200 bucks. So anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so she was, a, she was a working mom. And that was awesome. That was, it was great to, uh, I grew up with such a cool role model in a time, you know, where it, you know, it was 19, I was born in 1980. And, you know, women were just really starting to become powerful. And my mom became um, a director of a facility. She was, you know, not, I mean, not, not powerful, but I mean, she ran the show, like she had her own secretary, like she did things. And I didn't quite realize that when I was a kid, just how, you know, important she was. Uh, but from reading all of the things uh, after, after she passed away, and just understanding how really cool she was, and how ahead of her time she was, I think that was great. So my mom was adventurous, crazy adventurous. She always was like trying to plan the most every, you know, even then afternoon to the store, she would make fun by, you know, calling it a, an adventure. And, you know, she was she was just super into adventures. I'll talk about some of my favorite memories with her and places that we had gone. But she was also really compassionate, really compassionate and and I, I did just double say that. And I'll say it again. She was really compassionate. She always, you know, tried to see the best in people. She was always trying to get me to be understanding of people, which, you know, it's not always easy getting a, a when, you know, I was a teenager, you know, getting a teenage girl to, to understand that everybody's got something and that, you know, people, everybody's kind of dealing with their own things and that you should always be nice to everybody and treat everybody with respect in the way that you'd want to be treated. So, I think that's something that she was like one of her best traits I could possibly go over. She was understanding. Um, she had pretty high standards, but at the same time, you know, she she was understanding of situations. And, you know, I, ne- I never really felt like pressured from her to you know, maybe I should have felt more pressure to get better grades or but I was my sister was the school grade person. I was like the fun. I mean, my sister's fun, too, but <laughs> Sorry if you're listening, Sarah. You're super fun. But I was more concerned with, you know, 
whatever social life and theater and stuff like that and my sister is really she has really smart grades and stuff my mom is very smart she was so fun loving she was the life of the party and i can attest to like if you took my mom anywhere she was instant friends she you know never met a stranger she never left any place you know where where somebody didn't feel like she was their friend she was just fun loving I had I had written in a, a blog post once that she was effervescent and I think that's probably the best word I could use to describe my mom she was somebody that you wanted to be around and she was just absolutely you know, so much fun and so much, you know, you just wanted to talk to her. You wanted to gravitate towards her. She was supportive, but she was also realistic. You know, like I went to school to be a teacher. And after three years of university, I decided I didn't want to be a teacher anymore. So I actually, I remember the day where I called her to tell her that I was going to change my major in, from theater education. I, I wasn't going to be a, th- a high school theater teacher anymore. And she said, oh, okay, great. What are you changing it to? And I said, theater. And that's it. And like, it was just like dead silence on the phone. And she said, oh, wh- what are you going to do with that? <laughs> and I was like, you know, theater stuff, like a naive, you know, 21 year old being like, yeah, I could just, I'm just going to, you know, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> and she was like, well, you know, if that's what you want to do, but it's always a good idea to have that teaching degree because you can always fall back on it. And I'm like, no, I don't need that. I want to be a Hollywood stunt woman and all this stuff anyway, which I never became a Hollywood stunt woman, but that's all fine. Uh, (laughs) And she was really crafty, man. My mom could make anything from Halloween costumes to she made this tent that went over the back part of her truck so that she could camp you know and she was she could make just about anything so she was super crafty and I think those are some of the words that sum up my mom the best she was just really a cool person to be around and I just feel incredibly lucky to have her as my mom some of the best memories I have of her we would take these trips to me and her and my sister. And a lot of times she'd let us bring our friends, but we'd go to Glenwood Springs in Colorado, which is this beautiful little town in the mountains. It's got a ski resort and it's got natural hot springs, which smell like, you know, sulfur, like rotten eggs or whatever. Um, And the town has this big, beautiful hotel, Colorado, which we stayed at for my birthday one year. And it's definitely haunted for sure. Um, But she would take us on these road trips, me and my sister. And like I said, sometimes we'd take our friends and we got older, we'd bring our boyfriends and we would go whitewater rafting. And she just had this you know, like thirst for adventure. And she, (laughs) I remember we would, we would take these road trips and she would be in the front and my sister and I would be in the back and we would get to alternate, take turns picking the cassette tape that we were going to listen to. And my mom had this one phase where she was like pretty into Michael Bolton, you know, (laughs) like I think I was, oh gosh, I want to say I was in my early teens and early teenage people are not into Michael Bolton. And so her pick would be Michael Bolton. I remember my pick that trip a lot of the time was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie soundtrack, the first one. Like the, I'm talking about like this was like a 1990 whatever, like 1992 or something like that. So that, and then my sister would pick the cocktail soundtrack, you know, with Tom Cruise. So all of these are kick-ass tapes, by the way. So if you, <laughs> if you haven't listened to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles soundtrack, from 1990 whatever you should definitely tune into that and the cocktail soundtrack has some pretty cool stuff on it too so 
But we would take these trips and we would do all these. And my, my mom would call us the Kahat women, the Kahat, the wild women. You know, it was like she would call us these wild West women. My name is Jesse. I was named after Jesse James, who, yes, the outlaw, Jesse James. And my sister, her middle name is Oakley, named after Annie Oakley. So my mom had this thing for like the West, you know, like the Wild West. And so she always kind of wanted to be a wild woman, I think. So that's why we take these adventures. And I just love that. Um, another one of my greatest memories that I have from my mom, and I have a picture of it from, from it here. She lived in Washington for a while. Actually, I'll have to back up and tell the whole story of why she was in Washington. So when I was 23, my mom um, went, she left like like my sister had gotten married, I had moved away, and my mom had decided to leave Colorado, and um, my dad was there, so she she left, and she went to Washington State, and she went to take care of one of her friends from college named Art Steele, who had been in a terrible car accident like 10 years prior to this, and he was paralyzed, and um, he was a quadriplegic. And so she, because she had a background, this was after she had retired um, from her work. And so she went to go take care of him and try to help him out and try to, you know, just make his life better. And um, they, you know, it ended up being romantic for her and, and for him. And so, you know, anyway, he ended up passing away in 2005. And this was really, really hard for her. And she was, you know, devastated by it. But she was strong. So she she kept on going and she lived, she continued to live in Washington for a while. This was in Spokane, well, a bit outside of Spokane. And um, it was a little town called Tico, Tico, Washington, which is pretty close to Idaho. And so I went to go visit her. This was, I was like 25 at the time. I think this was after Art had passed away. So I went to go visit her because I wanted to make sure she wasn't lonely or anything. And I flew in from Kansas City, which is where I was living at the time. And she picked me up at the airport and I went to go pick up my bag and they didn't have it. And I said, oh, mom, it's fine. You know, we'll just, we'll go home and then, you know, they'll call us and they'll have it delivered. And she's like, actually, it's not fine. And I was like, why? What's going on? And she said, walk over to this counter with me. So we walk over to the counter and she picks up this bag that was hers, I guess. And she said, in like 25 minutes, we're boarding a plane. And I said, what? I just got here. You know, where are we going? And she had planned this whole entire surprise trip to Seattle, which I had never been to before. And it was just for me and her, just this cool little girl's trip. And so, but it was a surprise that I didn't know anything about. So when we got to Seattle... Uh, you know, at some point they needed to deliver my luggage. But since I didn't really have anything, she took me on a shopping spree and I felt like Paris Hilton, you know, like I got to go get all these new clothes. Paris Hilton was like cool at the time, by the way. Uh, (laughs) I got to get all these new clothes and we went to, you know, the Pike's Place Market and saw the guys throwing the fish. We went to the very first Starbucks. We went into the Space Needle. We went to these restaurants and bars and had some of the nicest food you could ever possibly imagine. It was just a cool, a really cool trip. And it was all that just shows her spontaneity. I remember one time, a few years after that, she really wanted to go on this Alaskan whale watching cruise. And she kept begging me to go with her. And I had work and stuff. And I'm like, I'm sorry, mom, I can't go on this. You know, I can't just drop everything to go on an Alaskan 
whale watching. Now I wish I did. It seems like it would have been a really cool trip. But she just was adventurous. She had this spirit about her and she she just wanted to experience everything. She she actually had purchased tickets to go on an Alaskan, sorry, Alaskan. I'm stuck on the Alaska thing. She wanted to go on an African safari. An Alaskan safari would be really interesting too, I'm sure. But she wanted to go on an African safari with her sister. And so she had this trip. It was like her trip of a lifetime. She really wanted to go. She had it booked and everything was ready to go. And then a few days before she was supposed to leave, my sister, who was pregnant with twins at the time, um, it turned out that she had to have the babies early, like real early, like at 26 weeks instead of 40 weeks. And so instead of going on the trip, my mom stayed with my sister and kind of made it her mission to help my sister raise her premature twins and, you know, help her, well, my sister and her husband um, deal with all of that. So she never got to go on her African safari, which, you know, definitely makes me sad to think that she never got to take that trip. I think she did end up taking that whale watching, that whale watching cruise though. So I, you know, I'm glad she got to do that, but she was just adventurous and she was so full of fun and and life and I miss her so much it's been two years since she's been gone um I she she had lung cancer and by the time it was diagnosed it was uh stage four it had uh you know it was determined that it was terminal and that she had anywhere from six months to two years to live and so uh, from November from that time that, that that voicemail I had played for you at the beginning Uh, And she passed away in July. So we had about eight months with her. And I'm really appreciative of those eight months that we got to have. Because I really just got a chance to, you know, not just me, but my sister and her family, we all got a chance to let her know how much she was loved and how much she's impacted our lives and just really how special she was to everybody. So I'm happy that we got to have those. And she got a chance to... She actually recorded a final video for us that we could watch after she had passed away, which is a huge treasure for me and my family. And I actually have her note cards here that she used to prompt herself in the video. And I've mentioned before how much I love her handwriting. I actually have her handwriting tattooed on my foot, which if you went and checked out my Instagram, you would see a whole bunch of pictures of my foot. And I'm not just a weird foot person. Not that there's anything wrong with foot people, but I have... Uh, those pictures on my Instagram because of, you know, her and the the handwriting that I have on her and of the tattoo I have of her handwriting. But I have those note cards from that. And, you know, it, it was nice. I, I'm, I do kind of regret that I lived in Canada. I still live in Canada. And I live in Canada and I was in Canada when she was sick. And so I didn't really get to spend a lot of time in those last eight months with her, even, you know, from the time that I had lived here. So I had been living in Canada for four years uh, by the time, or I guess, yeah, a little over four years by the time that she had passed away. So, but we visited quite often and we talked on the phone like every single day, <laughs> sometimes multiple times in a day. She was just, you know, I, I just picked up the phone to call my mom when I was happy or sad or bored or mad or had a question or anything. I would just pick up the phone and call my mom. But in those last eight months, I did get a chance to visit quite a bit. And I actually got to be there for the last uh, couple weeks, which was, you know, really special for me, because I like I said, I got a chance to make sure that she knew that she felt loved and 
and that, you know, she was the, the coolest lady on the planet. So I actually, after she had passed away, I got this really cool packet of memorabilia from her, one of her college friends, Rob. And that's where I got that picture from her from 1969. And I'm looking at some of these other pictures. There's her and her majorette uniform, you know, with her cool little 60s hair flip. And, you know, there's some pictures from the 80s. You could totally, you know, there's a shoulder pads. She's rocking that. And then there's a picture of her skiing on the ski, you know, on the ski hills. She was super adventurous like that. But the the ski outfit that she had was pretty 80s, which is actually kind of like the one I have now. I have like a throwback ski uniform, which is or not ski uniform, but, you know, snowsuit or whatever. Um, I, in this package, I thought these were really cool. I'm a, I got my bachelor's degree in theater. And there are a couple playbills here from Slippery Rock State College at the time. That's what it was called. And there's one for The Dark of the Moon by Howard Richardson and William Burney. And my mom looks like, let's see, Margie Brooker. She was Miss Bergen. So that looks pretty cool. And then there's one for The Trojan Women by Euripides. And my mom was Helen of Troy. So <laughs> that's kind of cool. Um, there's also in this this packet there's also some articles about her where she was taking care of the like I said children with developmental disabilities and so these are just really cool pieces of memorabilia I hope that everybody has these things these types of things from their mom so that, that you know when they're gone they can look back on these pictures and and I hope that you can see what other people have written about them and how they've affected other people's lives uh, because it's just so important you know it just helps you still kind of remember what kind of person they were and you know everybody thinks their mom's great and every I'm sure everybody's mom is great but to know that other people thought that she was so amazing as well and I think it's just really a super cool thing to have these so I'm very thankful for uh, Rob Stavis for sending me these and I also have this recipe for chocolate covered peanut butter balls which is basically like a really delicious version of a peanut butter cup that you make yourself and my mom would make these and you know she, these were like holiday gifts she would give these she would just make these all and you know, I was trying to think for her birthday um, you know August 18th today I was trying to think of what I can what can I, what I can make, you know, I thought of like making a cake or I don't know, whatever, but now I know exactly what, it, what treats I'm going to make for the kids and, and my husband and I, I'm going to make some chocolate peanut butter balls. So if you want the recipe, I can post that on the podcast, but it's pretty much, you know, just super delicious and, and you can't go wrong with that. My mom had all kinds of cool recipes and, oh, there's a one for orange cookies and there's another one in here for snowball cookies all right. Hey, got some mom's cookie recipes here. So yeah, these are definitely some really, really cool things that were in this packet that Rob sent me. And, you know, I have plenty more. Like I said, after she had passed away, I had my sister and I discovered that there was this big giant binder and it was full of, you know, typed up pages. And we looked and it was my mom writing down her story. And I'm so glad that we have that. And like I said, I, I only really looked at it once right after she passed away. And we were in the throes of trying to clean out the house and do all this other messy stuff. So um, I didn't really get a chance to, you know, sit and kind of digest the story. So I hope my sister shares that with me the next time I go visit her so that, you know, I can read some of the stories. Maybe I'll pass them on via this podcast. But yeah, that's cool. This recipe. 
chocolate covered peanut butter balls. That's what I'm making. That's what I'm making for her birthday. So my mom was really great at giving advice. And this whole entire journey that I've started is called Pearls from My Mom. Um, if you go, if you went to the website, then you, it kind of gives a little bit of backstory of why I decided on the name Pearls from My Mom. But um, it actually, it started, my mom had a conversation with my sister and I. So she was, you know, diagnosed with cancer in November. And uh, my family and I decided that we would definitely go out there for Christmas, especially, you know, just in case it was last Christmas, which it actually did, did end up being. So I went and my mom and my sister and I were sitting at my sister's table. And, you know, this was the first time I had seen her since she'd been diagnosed. And it was just, it was it was a hard meeting. And my mom being an optimist slash, but realist knew, you know, that she needed to start kind of telling us about her wishes and what she wanted. So she started saying a couple things about some of the things that she wanted my sister and I to have. And there was this special set of really nice, it's like a I don't wear it that often because it's it's valuable and I don't want to and it makes me nervous. But it's it's a pink stone and it's got diamonds on it and it's a necklace and there's earrings. And my mom said, I really want you to have that. And I said, OK, you know, whatever you want, mom. Like, <laughs> obviously, I would trade any, you know, tangible thing for, you know, one more minute with my mom. But I was like, OK, mom, what, you know, whatever you want. And she said, and then there's the set of pearls. She had a really pretty set of you know, pearl necklaces and pearl earrings. And she's like, I don't know, you know, maybe Sarah, if you want those. And my sister, she, I remember she, she kind of couldn't handle that conversation. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, okay, that's fine, mom, whatever you want. But it's not, it's not the pearls that I want. It's not the, you know, it's not the jewelry. It's not all that stuff. It's your pearls of wisdom. And so that's how I came up with pearls from my mom. And I started it as just this place you know, I, I really wanted to have a place where I could record. My mom had all these cool sayings, you know, like every mom does, you know, the kind of, you know, don't do that or your face is going to stick or you know, like just silly little pieces of, of, of advice. Some, you know, some are you know more silly than others. And then some are very, you know, profound and things like that. So I, I wanted to remember those and I wanted to share those so that my kids, you know, I'm constantly saying, well, you know, it's like grandma always said. And, um, you know, I wanted to be able to have a place where my sister or, you know, my mom's family, like her siblings could, could come and look or, you know, myself or in the future, my kids or my kids, kids. So I wanted to have this place for them. So I started Pearls for my mom. And then I quickly started to think, well, what about all the other stories? You know, my mom's just one amazing lady in history, in this vast history of amazing moms and ladies. And what if other people want to share their story? And wouldn't it be nice if they had a place to do that? And I kind of looked around and I didn't really see anything. A lot of the websites that I saw were like online funerals sites that kind of looked like what you would imagine a cemetery would look like if it were online. They just seemed kind of depressing. So if you go to Pearls for My Mom, you'll notice it's pink and teal and and I did that because I just, those colors make me happy. And I wanted it to be kind of pretty and fun and just give a feel of like, hey, yeah, this terrible thing has happened. And, you know, I miss my mom and I can't bring her back. And I wish I could, but I want to have a place where I can share all of the cool pearls of wisdom that she's given to me. And not only that, but I want a place for other people to be able to share and support and just give that hope and inspiration to others so that when somebody does go through the loss of their mom, they understand that they're not alone and that there are a lot of other people out there that 
that feel for them and want to hear stories about their mom. That's that's my big thing. I want to hear people share. And later on on this podcast, you'll hear me do interviews with people. I've actually I'm recording this out of order. I kind of put this off a little bit because um, it's hard to tell, you know, your story. And I like the interviewing better because then I get just get to ask people questions and find out, you know, the like, tell me about tell me more about that. I feel like Oprah or something, you know, but um, I so I have already co- recorded a few interviews with people and they are just phenomenal. I, mean, I cannot wait to share these interviews because these these stories will just knock your socks off. There's some really cool moms that have left some lasting impacts on their on their amazing daughters and their daughters are out there doing incredible things. So anyway, that's a little bit about the the pearls for my mom and why I started it. And so the pearl of wisdom from my mom, there are two, but I think the one that I love the most, and I actually have it here on this card. Um, it says, you take the best and you leave the rest, which basically just means, you know, <laughs> like, there's, there's all kinds of stuff that happens in life. And that's actually the second pearl of wisdom is it's not what happens to you in life, but what you do with it that counts. And I think that that just kind of sums up who my mom was and who she taught me to be. And I try to keep those in mind every single day. And some days it's easier than others. You know, some days it's easy to get kind of lost in the the fray and the fracas of life and, you know, kind of just work, get worked up about things that don't matter. But really in the grand scheme of things, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens in life and you, you should just think about the positives and don't worry about the stuff that you can't control. And, you know, so take the best, leave the rest. And it's not what happens to you in life, but what you do with it that counts. So those are my two favorite pearls of wisdom from my mom. Um, the grieving process, I always want, I want people to talk a little bit about their grieving process. Mine was difficult <laughs> and sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. And I think I'll do a whole entire show about the grieving process and how it went. But it's, if you're in the grieving process, no matter where you are, like I said, it's been two years for me, but even if it's been two days, two months, two years, 20 years or whatever, um, you know, it, it's hard. It's never, the pain never is going to go away. Um, but you can certainly, you know, I, I try to live my, my life to make my mom proud. And I really think that, she, you know, I know that in her final video, she said she was really proud of me and I know that she would be. And I think that she would love the fact that I'm out here doing this podcast and that I'm connecting with other people and helping them share and helping them go through their grieving process. So, um, just, be gentle with yourself if you, if you are grieving. That's my advice to you is, you know, it's, they have this fancy little graphic that's like, here's the grieving process. And it's these, you know, five stages or whatever. And it goes like this, but it's really, it's not like that. It's like, it's not linear. It's not, you go through this and then you go through this. It's like one day you go through this and you're like, okay, this is, you know, anger or whatever. And then, you know, but then the next day you could regress and go right back to the depression and then you could, you know, and then you can progress and you can say, okay, cool. I'm at acceptance. And then you, you know, so it's really, you can bounce back and forth and everywhere, but just know that you should give yourself time you should be gentle with yourself. And my main advice for people is to share, um, not just because it would, you know, give me more guests for my podcasts and stuff like that, but um, share. Like, it's helped me so much to share because I know that 
my mom is not far away. And I know that other people are enjoying things that my mom has has told me and, and things that she has done. And to me, that is just immensely powerful. So my advice is to to share. Um, I do believe I've gotten some visits from my mom since she's been gone, which, you know, some people I don't, you know, you can believe in whatever you want to believe. And my mom was uh, Catholic. And so she kind of believed, well, she didn't kind of, she believed in heaven and she believed in, in those concepts. <coughs> so whatever you choose to believe in, uh, she did tell me that she would visit me. And I do believe that she has. Um, there was, my mom used to have a glass hummingbird uh, collection that hung in the kitchen and I just, I don't know how it started, but she got one and then people just thought she collected hummingbirds. So they just gave her a bunch of hummingbirds. I mean, every, and I thought she collected hummingbirds. So every year I would get her a hummingbird, you know, and it turned out to, it wasn't an intentional collection for her, but that's kind of the animal to me that represents my mom because, because she did have all those hummingbirds. And so I remember I was at her house and she had kept feeders and flowers and things like that. And I had to go, you know, clean it out so that we could turn it over to the people that had bought the house. And I was standing there and it was, you know, I was kind of just at a moment where I was feeling like a bit overwhelmed and, you know, I wasn't exactly sure how to, to complete the task. And I just, I had my head down and I looked up and through the kitchen window, there was a hummingbird and the feeders weren't out. <clears throat> so I'm sure it was a little hummingbird that, you know, was coming and was, had used to had the, the food there, but Anyway, it was a little hummingbird and he came and he looked in the window and he kind of looked around. And I feel like it looked at me and it kind of lingered for a second and then it went away. And I feel like that was a, a little visit for my mom. So I appreciate having that one. And then there was another one that was really cool when I was cleaning out her house. Um, I had I had been cleaning out her house for like two days and it was like, you know, there was a bunch of stuff we were giving away and it was this whole process that was you know, cleansing and terrible and all kinds of things in one. But um, I had walked by, there was a window in the garage and I'd walked by the window a whole bunch of times and it was starting to get dark outside. And there was this little angel statue in the window and it had like a little LED light on it, but it wasn't lit up. And it was like, um, it was, sorry, I think it was Mary holding baby Jesus or something. It was really this pretty little porcelain figure. And I was walking outside in a particularly tough moment and the light was on and it wasn't like an, an, a, a time setting light and it wasn't like a motion activated light. It wasn't anything. I know it wasn't on earlier in the day, but it was on and it just gave me that little bit of hope. So I think that was a little visit from her. So if you yourself have felt like you've gotten these visits from your mom that is, or from anybody that has passed away, um, you're probably not crazy. It probably is true. That's what I like to think. And so, you know, those are my little visits from her and, and I appreciate those. And I, I kind of look forward to any of those little time, little, you know, things, um, that, you know, little visits, messages that she might send. I think those are pretty great. I have these cards here and I think they're really, really cool. And this is kind of towards the end of her speech that that she gave in the video that she made for the family. Uh, but she said that people won't be won't remember position, money, fancy things. People remember the kind of person that you were. And this is what my mom says she hopes to be remembered for. She says, I hope to be remembered for the love in my heart, kindness, laughter, compassion, generosity, patience, helping others, faith in God, hope for the future, 
and that I helped someone every day. And I think that is just accurate. That is accurate for how my mom will be remembered. And I actually had written in my notes where I was writing, you know, trying to write some advice for people who are going through the grieving process. And I wrote, take some time to brighten the day of other people. And that is certainly my mission. That's what I'm trying to do. I know that, you know, my mom is gone now and she did the did her best to go out of her way to make people feel good about themselves. And that is certainly what I'm trying to do now. So with that, I will leave it. I think I've talked quite enough today and you've heard a lot of my story and my mom's story. So thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. If you like it, please subscribe to the podcast and you can actually rate the podcast as well. So, you know, that helps other people find my my podcast and hopefully that will help spread the message to other people. So if you know anybody that, you know, is going through the loss of their mom, whether it's fresh or it's been many years, please feel free to share this with them, this podcast in hopes of, you know, letting people know that, look, you're not alone. It's a, it's an awful thing to go through. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but you're not alone. And there are a lot of people out here that want to support you. So please take the time to do that. I would love for you to come check us out on Instagram, pearlsfrommymom.com, Twitter, Facebook, pretty much, you know, we're all over the place like, like everybody is these days. So come check us out and join the conversation. I have a private Facebook group for people to discuss the pearls of wisdom given to them by their mom and things like that. So if you want more information on that, you can get that at pearlsfrommymom.com. And you'll, you can look on there today to see some of the pictures I've taken of the cool things that I talked about in this podcast. Uh, I also have a Patreon account. So if you don't know what Patreon is, it's a place where you can go and you can become a supporter of the show for a small monthly donation. And those little donations will go to help, you know, update the website and get me audio, you know, like I've got audio equipment, but just, you know, kind of keep me up to date, make the show better, help my, help me improve the show. So if you want to do that, you can have access to our monthly episodes, which are going to be about the pearls of wisdom from celebrity mothers. And I'm really excited about the first one because I'm a big old theater nerd and I'm going to be doing Judy Garland talking about her life and her legacy. And she's the mom to Liza Minnelli. So if you want to hear that one, you'll have to be a Patreon supporter. And there are other cool rewards on there as well. Please share this on social media. And if you have a story that you want to share about your mom and the pearls of wisdom that she's given you, please, please, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, you can, my email address is share at pearlsfrommymom.com. And you can catch me there. Again, my name's Jesse. I'm your host. And that's what it's all about is sharing to keep the legacy alive.